dead. Amen. Can you give him the praise of the hour right now? Can you give him a shout of praise? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. It's so good to be standing here once again here at the great pulpit of the Rodney Pike Church of God. Um, I, I feel very honored to be standing here. I better, I better do a really good job because uh, Dr. Stevens will be preaching next Sunday. So uh, I, I feel like I've got a pretty big job to fulfill this morning. But uh, to be honest with you, for those of you that are Star Wars fans, you will get this joke. Sometimes I stand here and I feel like Jar Jar Binks standing at Yoda's pulpit. Amen. You'll get that on the way home. Praise God. Praise God. But uh, I'm so appreciative of the opportunity to get to share the Word of God and get to uh, uh, preach the goodness of God. My Bible's going to be open today to the book of Isaiah chapter 54. Chapter 54. Beginning at verse 1. Let me just say, it has been such a blessing the past few Wednesday nights to see the life that has cultivated inside of our student ministries. And I just want to let you know that uh, it has been kind of a marathon at every level, but we are seeing God do some awesome things in teens and preteens, middlers, and early learners. Will you help me and thank everybody that's all part of our student ministry teams? How many know sometimes it takes a little while to plant and it takes a little while to get to see growth and see things happen? And I truly believe God's blessing us with a season where we get to enjoy all the planting that has taken place. You know what I'm talking about when you take a big old bite of that garden fresh tomato. You know what I'm talking about and you just take a big old bite of that and you thank the Lord because it was a hot day when you planted that seed. But uh, we are getting to reap the benefits of, of, of planting in the lives of students. Amen. Isaiah chapter 54, beginning at verse 1. Very common passage of Scripture. It declares and says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Somebody claim that right now. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Can somebody just give him praise for the promise of his word this morning? Praise God. You know, we've kind of had that, the series the past few weeks has been remarkable by Pastor. He has talked about the connection of above. And in all honesty, I, I believe I heard the greatest messages of Abraham the past few weeks. I'm, I will not lie about that. And how he kind of brought it into perspective, the, the uh, stars in the sky, the descendants, and how the Lord was speaking to, to, to Abram, and, and, and how God was giving him a, a promise, giving him that connection, that, that promise. And well, weren't those some awesome messages? Can I ask you all that this morning? Weren't those some awesome messages? Praise God. And who would have known that a Christmas decoration would have made a great illustration preaching on that topic? But as pastors, we filled the ceiling here in this sanctuary up with those lights and kind of gave us a visual of the promise. But now we have the promise and we've made the above connection now I believe it's time to go beyond. Beyond the place of the current stance of where we're at. There's something that happens if you sit contained in the same spot for a long time. You see the flaws. You see the uh the, the things that you really need to get done. Can I have an amen on that this morning? You might be sitting watching Ohio State, but you know there's a sink full of dishes over in the kitchen. Can I have an amen on that this morning? Come on, let's be transparent. I know not everybody's got the Martha Stewart anointing in the house. Uh, I know we got a few people that are real and they are raw and, and, and I mean you've got like Tuesday night spaghetti still sitting on the countertop. Can I, can I have an amen? Come on, somebody say amen this morning. Praise God. God, you still got, and you see the flaws and the things, and, and it kind of starts to overwhelm you, and you can't enjoy, and it's like you sat in the same place, and you make a declaration, something has got to happen right here. There is a problem when I stay in the same place, and I don't go anywhere, there's a problem and what's happened is I've gotten so comfortable that like the commercial says, I've become eye blind to my messes and I've also become nose blind. I remember being in college and people would come, friends would come into my room and be like, dude, Micah, your room stinks. This is gross, you know. And I didn't notice anything of it at all. I didn't notice anything. You wait till you're 23 years old and your very blunt father-in-law helps you move and he steps into your room. He will gladly let you know that this room is raunchy. Something has got to change. That's what complacency will do. It will develop a, a stagnation. It will develop a, a, a stink about us if we remain in the same place. But the intention that God has for us is advancement. 
the intention is not to stay in the same place that we've always been. Honey, look at your neighbor. Will you do me a favor? Look at your neighbor and say, get up and blow the stink off. Come on, get up and blow the stink off. Oh, you stink. My gosh, get up and blow the stink off of you, the stagnation. Do something about that. It's time to move. It's time to progress. It's time to stretch. Praise God. In Isaiah chapter 53, there's this layout of these verses of Scripture Isaiah begins to prophesy, and it is though he is, as one commentator says, he begins to prophesy as though he is at the very foot of the cross. He begins to speak of the death of, of Jesus. I'll get to that here in just a second there, brother. He begins to speak of the death of Jesus in such a way that it is almost, and they say you note that he is not speaking in future tense, he's speaking in past tense. And it is almost like he is able to picture the death of Jesus Christ. And he reads in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 7. Now we can go ahead and place that up there. It says, surely... Such verses as this, surely he was born, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Now here we go. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All like sheep we have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his sharers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Isaiah paints this picture of what is yet to come, and it is more than 700 years away from the time of Christ, of Isaiah's prophecy. And he's painting this picture of this great humility that our Savior is going to have to go through. He's painting a picture of suffering. He's painting a picture of death. He's painting a picture of a lamb that's being led in this great humility and is getting ready to see and breathe its very last breath and almost brings about a sense of vulnerability when it comes to the death of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the vulnerability that Jesus had on the cross. That there was a giving of himself on the cross. Okay, there was a giving of himself on the cross. Uh, he speaks of a man who was going to take a great weight upon his shoulders uh, and he was going to stand in the place of all mankind. Uh, can I be honest with you for just a second? Uh, I believe there comes a time as a church uh, where we really need to stop and focus exactly on what Jesus Christ had done upon the cross. 
Oh, come on now. Some of you all were maybe one of those that was saved at the age of six years old in little kid class in Sunday school back in the day. But I can tell you this, you weren't born saved. You needed the cross. Can I have an amen on that? We needed the cross. Bottom line, we needed Jesus Christ to shed his blood for the remission of our sins. But there's a different picture that begins to be painted in Isaiah chapter 53. There's a shifting that begins to take place. We go from this deep humility that Jesus had taken upon himself. But then if you begin to go into verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 53, let me bring it into 2019 worship leader terms. The atmosphere begins to shift a little bit. Starting at verse 10, things begin to change and the verbiage and the tone of the passage of scripture begins to change because it goes from victim and transitions over into victor. It brings breaks the vulnerability and begins to declare the victory that begins to happen upon the cross. Yes, the cross was a place of suffering. Yes, the cross was a place of dying. But the cross was also a place of great power and great victory. I thank God for what he did for me on the cross and the humility of the cross. But the cross is also an image of power and might and overcoming Satan. Are you thankful this morning for the victory on the cross? He paints this picture beginning in verse 10 through verse 12 of Isaiah chapter 53. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. So yeah, he was a lamb, but this lamb was an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand he shall see the labor of his soul so everything he had done on the cross he's going to take pleasure in it and be satisfied by his knowledge by righteous servants shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. He was put right in the same place as everybody else. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The promise of the word of God to declared that yes Jesus took the cross but the Bible says that through the cross he created a great victory that's going to create a great spoil you see when a conqueror goes into a land and he begins to take victory after victory after victory there's benefit it's not just bragging rights there's also spoils that begin to be gathered I can't help but get excited when I begin to preach about this because I begin to think of all the plotting and planning of the enemy and how he has decided to overcome and overcome 
overwhelm, but there was a victor, and his name was Jesus Christ, who took the old rugged cross, the great act of humility, but stepped into victory, and now took what the enemy had as his spoil. Hallelujah. Overcoming with spoil, taking over the ground and the territory that the enemy thought was his. The enemy thought he contained it. The enemy thought he held it. The enemy thought it was his for all of eternity. But there was a man named Jesus who took the cross. I begin to think about the oppression and the bondage of this world. I begin to think about the sin and the oppression that tries to take over but there is a victory that overcomes all of the oppression. There is a victory that has already been won. I might sound like an old preacher this morning, but I believe we need to recultivate and realize there was a victory that has already been won. The price has already been paid. The blood has already been shed. The suffering has already happened. And the enemy cannot contain us any longer. Isaiah chapter 53 paints the picture of his suffering and begins to shift over into the victory of the song, into the victory of the cross. But Isaiah chapter 54, it starts off with a word. It starts off with a, with a term that kind of lights a fire on the inside of the soul. It is a four-letter word called sing. Somebody Somebody say that word. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren. Sing, O barren. So after Isaiah 53 paints this picture of the cross, after Isaiah 53 paints this picture of the cross, chapter 54 opens up. It's kind of like you go from a from a funeral to a revival service. Oh, hallelujah. It starts off with a word called sing. Oh, my goodness. Now, in the years of flesh, it, there are singers that you just don't want to hear sing. With ears of flesh, you just don't want to hear those, you know, those singers sing. Oh, praise the Lord. I've been in times before I've preached in churches and they asked me to help them play the piano and I dreaded those times where they would let sister so-and-so sing a song. I, I ain't got much of an ear. I got rhythm, but I ain't got no ear. Let me tell you this. I can't, don't try to sing and me pick you up. Oh, I can't do that worth a snap. Oh, but they'd start singing. I'd try to find them. And the bad thing about it is I've been stared at. Well, if you tell me where you're going, I'd be able to find you. Oh, but it's the piano player's fault. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Oh, trying to, you just don't want to hear the song, but there's the song that Isaiah's talking about. He's going through the picture of the cross and he's talking about a song <laughs> that nobody else can sing for us. He's talking about the song of the 
redeemed. He's talking about the song of redemption and nobody can sing that song for you. Nobody can sing the song of redemption for you. And not only is he looking at a people and saying to sing, look at who he's telling to sing. He's saying, sing, O barren. Sing, O barren, you who have not been able to conceive a child and have a child. There's two things the enemy really likes to steal. You ever notice this? The enemy likes to steal songs and it likes to make you think you have no future. Likes to steal your song and it likes to make you think that you have no future. Barrenness represents a lack of posterity and represents a lack of future. And the song represents praise. So in other words, the devil likes to make the church think they have no future and they have no praise. He likes to paint in their minds this weightiness that tries to contain and hold back and detain praise. He likes to make you think you don't have a song. Likes to make you think he's, you know, kind of like a, a robbing of you. And see, when the enemy begins to attack the mind, we try to stew things in the mind. Mm -hmm. And what happens is we allow the mind to begin to lie to us. But the enemy knows something about your song that the song begins to infiltrate the mind. And it begins to flush out the doubt and the anxiety that tries to consume and overwhelm and overtake. See, Isaiah's prophesying in this certain sense. He's talking about, uh, many commentators believe he's talking about the church. Mm. He's talking about the church and getting ready to expand because there's a greater day coming. There's a greater day coming that maybe you can't see manifested, but the song that you sing reminds you of what is yet to come. I may not be able to see the promise right now, but I'm singing praise to the one who has made the promise. And there's something I know about his promises. He doesn't break his promises. He doesn't back up on his promises. And therefore, I stand upon his promise and I begin to sing a song of praise. See, the enemy tries to look at barrenness and say, you've got nothing. You ain't got nothing. You have no resource. You have no strength. You have no hope. But the 
song re-energizes the fact that I may not see it now. My eyes cannot see, but there's a greater one who is taking care of this. I'm going to start expanding. I'm going to start believing. I'm going to start stepping. I will not lose my song. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. As I read these verses of scripture, you've got to forgive me because I literally think of a barren woman taking hold of the curtains of her tent and she begins to grab a hold of them. She begins to take the hammer and say, I can't see it yet. Bam, but I know it's coming. I don't know what how it's gonna happen, but bam, I know it's coming. The place of my dwelling is not good enough the place where I'm staying is not good enough it's time to sing it's time to hammer because there's a promise getting ready to be fulfilled oh hallelujah oh Be 
Would you right now take that very seriously and stand to your feet and glorify the Lord for a moment? Would you do that with me? The Holy Spirit's desiring to penetrate in some hearts this morning. And I gladly, as a man, get out of the way and allow him to do so. Could you lift up your hands to heaven? Come on. Saints, everybody that will, lift up your hands. Come on, open your mouths. Give him praise. Give him praise. This right now is an appointed time, and I'd love for the church to grasp that right now. Don't hear that in me. Don't hear that in Micah Bynum. You begin to hear that in the Holy Ghost. This is an appointed time. Right now, I, I would love for some, some saints to begin to open their mouths and stand in the gap. Would you do that? Would you begin to stand in the gap? Would you begin to stand in the gap? Because there's hearts this morning that the Holy Spirit is wanting to break through into, wanting to penetrate into. Bolo Tamahataya. Jesus, oh God, 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 yes Lord, yes Lord, yes Lord, yes Lord, oh Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. There's a word in my spirit right now. And that word is stretch. <laughs> that word is expand. That word is stretch. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. Expand me, God. Oh, expand me, Lord. Expand me. If there's anybody in the house who is ready to say, I'm ready for him to stretch me. I'm ready for him to stretch me. Would you just break out of your seats and come up here to the, to the front area and just lift up your hands and continue giving him praise. Can you do that? Oh, come on, saints. You've been praying about it for a long time. You've been believing it for a long time. Oh, stretch me, God. God. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, Lord. Stretch me, Lord. Stretch me, God. Stretch me. <laughs> you know it's the Holy Ghost. I don't have to tap you on the shoulder or pull you forward. You know it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Can I just encourage you? Can I encourage you? Come on. Come on. Listen to the voice of God right now. Listen to the voice of God. I'm tired of where I've been all this time. I'm tired of the same place. I'm tired of complacency. Oh, stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, God. Stretch me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, saints. Can we keep praising him? Can you lift up your hands and praise him? Come on. Come on. I'm not trying to belabor anything. There's a work of the Holy Spirit happening right now. Come on, saints. Lift up.